Thank you, guys. Welcome. Uh, today's the third night of, and then uh, we end this, whatever you want to call it, today. And uh, let me just introduce guys who are new. That's Matthew. He's Pastor Matthew, uh, one of Aaron's, uh, one of Tuni's friends. Tuni seems to have many friends. Yeah. So welcome, Matthew. Yeah. And uh, that's Ben. And that's Sheba. Sheba's dad used to be someone who uh, worked with Chad's dad. And so they live uh, close to Squamish in Abbotsford. Yeah. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's in two different directions. Um, I'm sure they'll feel welcome with that applause, so we'll just try it again. Yeah. Yeah, and the rest of us are normal people. Yeah, uh, Jeremy brought a friend. Uh, Jeremy, you want to introduce him? Uh, this is just my dad. This is just my dad. <laughs> Hi, Isaac. <laughs> yeah, Isaac's an old friend of the church, been around for years. Um, yeah, hey guys, so a um, couple of quick announcements. One, um, let me introduce Chad. Um, Chad actually, his dad, uh, his dad is the, or was the president of the entire Assemblies of God globally, eh? And so he comes from amazing stock. I met his dad, really honorable man, man who walks in holiness. Um, and then uh, Chad runs a congregation of about 20 or 30,000 people in a church called New Life Assemblies of God in Chennai. You're wondering why I'm giving him such a good intro. It's the last day. Um, and uh, I met him in 2014, and my life is so much richer because of him. Uh, he's my best friend. Uh, I'm his best friend, too, just in case he doesn't say it. Um, <laughs> love him dearly. Um, my life has changed dramatically after meeting him. Talk to him more often than his wife talks to him. Um, during COVID... Oh my God, uh, he was a lifeline. Uh, he's really knowledgeable. Huh? He could have easily stayed with his megachurch thingy because he runs a megachurch. But um, one of his desires and passion is to go around the world and build the church the way it's supposed to be built. Um, and we've been talking about that for the last four or five years. Uh, much of what uh, we have learned here has come from some of the things I've learned from him. And so, on one hand, he's 11 years younger than me. On the other hand, I um, really look up to him in many different things. And uh, I love you, da. I'm glad you're here. Yeah? Come. You don't know what to do with this. I know. Oh, you want...
begin. Hey, the other thing I forgot is we had sent out an email saying, hey, if you want to uh, make an offering that will uh, go towards chat, just put it in the box at the back. And uh, yeah, that's it. It's quite rare when you have good words from Jacob about someone in their introduction, so cherish it and take it in. And if you've been wondering about last time, 2019 when I came, I was on a whole different size and there's a different size now. It's all uh, thanks to George's brother, okay? And so every good thing, you don't want to meet him, yeah. So George's brother was the one who inspired me. He walked one day into my office and said, everything can change for you. And so Jeremiah changed man. Uh, and from that time, I think there was easy change with regards to how church needs to be done, but with regards to Jacob's body, no chance, okay? He continues on forever. Yeah, like, that's when you have to take advantage and do all... This well, it's joy, it's fun to be with you guys, okay? These two years, two days, two days has been like two years, I think. Two important things that we have actually done with, okay? Perez, and God has helped us bounce back. How many of you believe that God has truly helped us bounce back? I mean, and secondly, Perez, and we said, hey, let's break out because God is helping us break out. But this third day, God is warning us to break in. And Jesus was moving amongst the towns and villages and the many cities. And as he moved around, he saw the people. And he saw the people who were harassed and helpless. And he was moved with compassion. And when he was moving with compassion, he couldn't actually turn to anybody else but to his disciples. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty. The laborers are so few. And then he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers. If we got to break in and if we got to hear the heart of the father. And if you really, really need to capture the very essence of what God is wanting to do is that he is wanting this church to raise up as laborers in a mission field that is harassed and helpless and that is what we got to break in the season has come that here in Acts 29 that we cannot continue on just the way it is but we need to actually put our foot on the pedal and press on the gas because there is an acceleration that God wants for this church. Yes, I have built you thus far. Yes, I have done whatever it takes to build you into who you are at this moment of time. But if you start to exist just the way you are, you're going to miss out a season because this is a season of acceleration that God is bringing for your life. And if you would actually capture it, if you would grasp it, if you would actually bounce back, if you would break through and if you will break in, I'm going to do mighty things in and through you. Amen.
And therefore, we got to learn how to actually bind the strong man and get into certain nations that God is calling Acts 29 into and take the spoils for Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Are you wanting to be laborers? And if you really need to rise up to be laborers for this Jesus Christ, then you need to do certain things. Number one, do you actually care for the world just as how Christ cares for? And therefore, these are five important questions that I want to leave you to you this evening. I want to speak, I don't want to speak long, but these are five important questions. The first question is, do you really care for the world just the way Christ cares for them? Or do you have concern for the world the way I care for this world? Jonah, 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 how long will you actually run away from your call? There are certain people seated here who are actually being called specifically and saying, hey, you need to be doing something, but you are running away from that call for a long period of time. Jonah, you've been running. And sometimes you grudgingly do what God has called you to do. And after you've grudgingly done what God has called you to do, you sit and crib. Because all that you're concerned about is that small little creeper that you did not sow, that you did not water, that you did not do anything. But God actually took care of it. And it gave you shade for a moment of time. Now that that creeper is gone, you are cribbing and telling God, you took away my shelter. You took away my shade. You took away that which was beautiful. Jonah, 120,000 people who do not know their left hand from their right hand, are existing even in Vancouver. 120,000 people, even in a city like Vancouver, Vancouver who does not know the left hand from their right hand, and many, 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 many people, many, 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 many nations. Europe is waiting for you, Vancouver. Europe is waiting for you. There are certain nations in Africa that's waiting for you. There are certain nations in, in Central America that's waiting for you. There are certain nations in South America that is waiting for you. There are certain cities in this nation, uh, Canada is waiting for you. Would you just care only for yourself or would you actually start thinking about a, a lakh and a 20,000 people who do not know the left hand from their right hand? The question is, do you care the way I care? Do you care the way I care? None should perish. All should come to repentance. What about, yes, we are thankful for the 99 that are in the sheep pen. But who will care for the one lost sheep? Who would sweep the entire house and find that one coin that's lost? Who would actually go back and search and wait and do something about the lost sons and daughters in the city? There was a season when I asked you to remain a small number. But that season is over. That season is over. 
Maybe we don't have to have these large numbers gathered together in one place. No. That, that's a lot of building and administration. I know what it is. But do not resist numbers. That's a shift and change that God is wanting this church to have. Acts 29. Do not resist numbers. For I want to give you numbers. Do not resist numbers. For I want to give you numbers. Because numbers are not just mere numbers. They are people. There are people who cannot make a difference between their left hand and their right hand. They need to come into the fold. They need to come into the house. They need to come into the harvest that's plentiful. The laborers are few. But I have laborers here in this church who can rise up. It takes a little bit of change in your heart to say numbers is not a limitation. Father, I pray over this congregation. And I speak, oh Father, every wrong word that has been spoken about numbers in this house. Every small little slighting that has taken place about numbers of other churches. I pray in the name of Jesus be removed. Yes, for a season we needed to be this. But Lord, that season is over and the season of numbers is starting, oh Father. And I pray and bless this church in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. And I pray that the doors of this church is open for multiple services, oh Father, that does not just take place on a Sunday. Because Sunday is not the only day where we can worship you. I pray that a Monday, oh Father, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday, a Sunday that would have a morning service, an evening service, an after service. I pray in different locations. It will not be Jacob or Father but there are several, uh, oh Father leaders that are rising up uh, and there are several congregations of Father that are spreading across uh, this entire Vancouver and that is what we got to break in. We are no longer afraid of numbers. Lord, if one Jacob could have 200. What if, oh Father, the entire church would have each a 200? I pray, Lord God, the harvest is ripe. There is a shift in our hearts. If you care, if you care, just the way He cares, they will come. If you care, that's it. If you care, the way he cares, they will come. If you care, the way he cares, they will come. If you don't care for them, who will care for people? Number two, if you do not open your mouth and witness, who will witness? How will they be saved if we don't witness and preach? We got to come out of what is called as evangelical nice. That we are so diplomatic that we don't want to hurt anybody. The gospel confronts people. And we got to open our mouth and speak. Will you turn with me to Romans in chapter 10 and verse 13 and 14? And can we all read together? Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 14. Can we all read together? Everyone. Everyone. 
Should I wait? Okay. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So how can they hear without someone preaching to them? If we do not open our mouth, who will open the mouth? If after, maybe it's not preaching, maybe it's not Maybe immediately shoveling the gospel into their throats. No, it's about when will we share about the goodness and the faithfulness of our God? When will we share with someone? When will that boldness come? Because Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. Which means like each and every one of you seated here has been anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that? Amen. As a community, we are anointed. Is this an anointed community? If this is an anointed community, then he has actually empowered us. And he has given us the power to be witnesses. And that means we have the power, but we are not using the power. Every now and then we charge ourselves and we drain the charge. We have not done anything about it. Did you know that if you actually have a cell phone and you charged it full and you just leave it in one place... Did you know that even if you didn't use it to call somebody, it will start draining off its power. And God is saying that some of you actually come here on a Sunday and get charged. You go to your house churches and you get charged. But then you don't do anything about the power that is charged inside of you. Because you are not opening your mouth. There is not even a small little effort that is taking place between Monday to Saturday. Because next Sunday you come and then you get charged and you go and do nothing about it from Monday to Saturday that must change mass evangelism is not the means by which people came to Christ historically two percentage of people came through large meetings any large meetings only two percentage of people came but 85%, did you know that through media ministries, you know how many people came, how many percentage, only 4% of people come through media ministries. All of the money pumped. Yes, it's television, through television evangelism, 4 to 5%. 2% through mass crusades. And do you know the maximum number of people coming to Christ is because 85% of people come to Christ because of what is called as Waikos evangelism. And what's Waikos evangelism? Waikos evangelism is household evangelism, which means I actually go to someone who's my acquaintance, my friend, my family, my colleague, my co-worker, my uh, exercise mate in the, in the gym or whatever you have, whoever you are with on a regular acquaintance. 85% of such people come to Christ because you have personally 
opened up your life. They are not just listening to the gospel message that has been preached with your mouth, but they are seeing that through your life. They see peace and they see joy and there's something different about you. And when they look into your eyes, something is different and something is changing, something is clicking, something is, is, is different about you. The presence of God is over your life. When you walk in, oh, the presence of God actually begins to, oh, begins to actually get activated into their lives when you walk the corridors of your office something is happening in those cubicles if you will go out with that power that the Holy Spirit has been giving unto you you will be witnesses you will be witnesses yes we need to open up our mouth once in a while but most of the times it's about seeing you we are not even thinking about it Monday to Saturday there's a huge disconnect Monday to Saturday. We are not intentional about it. We don't do anything about it. When was the last time that you actually did something? At least, even if you didn't actually open your mouth with someone. When was the last time you actually left home thinking that you want to actually bring someone to Christ? Unless that changes, we are not going to break in. Yes, we will bounce back. Yes, we will actually break forth. But we will not break in. Because the kingdom of this world has to become the kingdom of God and of His Christ. And He needs to be ruling forever and ever. And He trusts each and every one of us with His mandate, go Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that which I have commanded. I'm with you always. I'm with you always. I'll empower you always. Would you open your mouth and start doing something about it from Monday through your Saturday? Sunday is a great recharge. But what happens is that you lose your charge to recharge on a Sunday again. This pattern in Acts 29 must be broken. Tomorrow when you go to your office, when you go to your grocery stores, when you go to the gym, when you go to do something, there must be a change in attitude. Is that okay? Do you really care? It all begins with that. If you care, then you would do something about it. If you care only for yourself, you won't do anything about it. This is breaking in. This is breaking in. It starts with caring. It starts with caring for outsiders. It starts with caring. It proceeds on to becoming witnesses. Number three. If you don't shepherd, who else will? Who will shepherd them if we don't Matthew 9, 35 and 36. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because of four 
hedges. Okay, number one, they were harassed. Number two, they were helpless. Number three, they were homeless. Number four, they were shepherdless or headless. They did not have anyone as shepherds or heads over them. These are the four things. And when Christ is saying in the context of that particular scripture, the harvest is plenty, the laborers of you, he's not just looking for some laborer. No, he's looking for shepherds who would first bring them into a community. Because if harassment and helplessness of people will never cease if they don't actually have a community. And that's the reason why we are continuing to emphasize that you need to be part of a community and that you need to start building communities. Think of how many communities are there already? Nine of them are in the days to come. For the amount of time that you guys have sat on the pews and listened to Jacob, you by now must be teachers. You by now must be shepherds. Harassment and helplessness of people will cease when they have a home and when they have a head. Harassment and helplessness will cease when they have a community home and when they have a head, a shepherd. Would you rise up to shepherd? Would you rise up to care? Would you rise up to feed? Would you rise up to actually equip yourselves? There's not even one person here who shouldn't be a shepherd. Everyone is called. Because now you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Listen to this. The clergy laity divide that has been brought in by the Constantine Christianity right from the 3rd century. Protestant evangelical reformation did not change one bit of Roman Catholicism. I know that I'm making a very radical statement here. The only thing that Protestant reformation has brought forth is there is a better understanding of what the gospel is. Apart from that, the 500 years of Protestant evangelicalism is nothing but Roman Catholicism continued on with a better understanding of what the gospel is. For Roman Catholicism said that by good works, you may achieve salvation. Martin Luther and the early reformers came and said, no, you will not be actually attaining salvation by works. You will actually attain salvation because of faith and grace of God and the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, period. Not by works, but for works. And that was what the Protestant reformers brought about. Apart from that, 500 years is continuing on with Roman Catholicism, which actually believes that Jacob is the priest. And we are all lately sitting in the pew, which is the false doctrine of the Protestant Reformation world. The priesthood of all believers must be embraced. And Acts 29 must embrace the priesthood of all believers. Which means that each and every one of us must rise up as shepherds. Number one, you and I need to start 
having concern. That means you need to actually rub yourself with God. You need to have a touch from God every day of your life. If you would actually climb onto the bosom of God and put your ears onto the heart of God, you will actually start moving in the concerns of God. Because you don't do that, you don't have concern. If I would climb into the bosom of my father and place my ears on his chest and bosom and if I would have his embrace and he locks me in, all that I can hear is his concerns. None should perish. All should come to repentance. None should perish. All. It all begins with climbing into the bosom of Jesus and hearing his heartbeat and having the boldness of the Spirit and opening up our mouth to share to those who are our acquaintances and then willing to shepherd those who are coming. Because if you are going to bring someone to the church and expecting to, Jacob to shepherd, no, Jacob is not even going to be here this night. I'm going to take him to Toronto. And then we're going to say, Jacob, go here. Jacob, go there. And we go. And we actually are doing what needs to be done across the globe. Which means Acts 29 is left behind. Unless you raise yourself as shepherds, we will be a failure. We will be a failure. It's not you being a failure. Jacob is a failure. I'm a failure. Everyone is a failure. If we really don't measure up and become shepherds of God's people. Are you getting it? Harassment, helplessness is solved because we give them a home and we give them a shepherd. Fourthly, who's going to go beyond the local? Who's going to go beyond the local? From amongst you, God is going to set apart a few that's going beyond the local. That you actually take your bags and start moving to places not knowing where you are going. Because God would actually not give you full clarity of the place that you are going. But that you would be able to take your bags and say, yes, God. I want to leave behind my father's house. I want to leave even anybody who wants to tag along with me. And I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go. Who will go beyond the local? Who is willing to go beyond the local is a crucial, crucial aspect of breaking in. Yes, we have had a bounce back. Yes, we have had a break out. But who will break in? The breaking in happens because I'm able to think beyond the local. And that you... Every time we worship, and this is, this is what I don't understand about the 21st century church, because every time there was worship in the scriptures, it was actually breaking forth into missions. Because anyone who touches the throne room of God and goes back, oh, thank you God for your presence, is missed out big time of his presence. Because when in 
Yeah, presence to go and who will go for me? That's the, that's the voice that comes after holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Yes, I am a man with sinful lips and I speak. Uh, things that are not okay I'm not okay God yes I know that you're not okay but I have coal in my altar that I can take and cleanse your lips that's my job to cleanse you but it's your job to respond when I ask this important question who will go for me into Amsterdam who will go for me into Astana Who will go for me into Almaty? Who will go for me into Tbilisi? Who will go for me into Batumi? In Georgia? In Eastern Europe? Into Kazakhstan? Into Almaty? Into Astana? Into certain parts of Mongolia? Into certain aspects of, and, and to help certain churches in Indonesia and in Jakarta that Jacob will be actually working on. Would you do something about it? After you came to Dubai and process whatever you are processed, would you do something about it? Or would you not do anything about it? There are specific questions that God is asking us as a church together. I'm, please, maybe my tone is a little different this evening, but I'm not angry with you. I'm not angry with you. I'm just carrying the concerns and questions that the Spirit has for the church. I'm not angry with you. God is not angry with you. But he's putting on his foot on the gas pedal because he's saying, I can't be slow any longer. I've waited for you, Acts 29. It's time. Who will go beyond the local? As long as you are having concerns about the creeper over your head, you will not have the concerns of God. You will not even realize there are 120,000 people in Nineveh, in a city that God is concerned about. So will you carry the same concern that God has for cities and nations? Will you be a person who would open your mouth to speak and witness? Would you shepherd God's people? Would you go beyond the local? Because there's a season that's coming when Europe is opening up for Vancouver. Jacob would go and inaugurate. Or you go and support. Who will go? And you will be able to raise your hands and say, Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Fifthly, if, if you don't give, who's going to give? 
Who will give generously if we don't? There is a season that's coming for this church where there is a radical generosity. And, and I very specifically, this is the word the Spirit is using, a radical generosity, which means like it goes beyond everything. You, you're able to, some of you have the ability to make wealth. Some of you are having the ability to have a greater faith for your needs that you are able to extend. There are some people who are cutting, cutting out and simplifying lives. Where the formula of a disciple lifestyle is simplicity plus contentment plus generosity. Simplicity contentment and generosity that you actually cut down certain things and give generously. You're hitting contentment. You're hitting simplicity. And you are moving into generosity and it's, it's ways and means by which Christ is expecting from Acts 29 in this new season that you would break in into a, a radical form of generosity. It's not just generous giving. It's giving of your lives, it's giving of certain aspects of your life in order to be generous. And, and I love the scriptures. Even this morning, Jacob was talking about the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. In fact, they came and pleaded that Jacob one day must tell, hey, don't give. And you got to plead with Jacob, please. That's radical generosity. Where you're pleading with, with the leaders of this church and saying, want to give, please receive it. Please receive it. And you're doing too much. That must be the saying of this church. I love what, what happened in the nation of Israel when Moses was collecting an offering for the temple of the Lord that he was actually saying, hey, it's enough. Don't give anymore. Radical generosity must become part and parcel of their life entirely on their own. There is no nudging. There is no hard. Uh, do this, do that. We are not psyching you up in order to give. No, you are entirely on your own. And you are gently pleading with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. Which means, hey, you got and every one of you, first and foremost, give yourself fully to the Lord. And secondly, you are really giving yourself to the leaders. It's not only giving yourself to the Lord, but also trusting and saying, God, I know there is a potential for abuse, but we want to trust this Jacob. We want to trust the leaders of this church. We want to trust Derek and Iris and we want to trust me. And yesterday we had this wonderful apprentice into the service that has been appointed over this church as Jacob continues to travel. 
We trust these folks. And we entrust ourselves to God and entrust ourselves to you guys. Yeah. Okay, let's take one, three, and five. Is it okay? One, three, and four. You don't want me to touch on five? Okay, let's, let's talk about 1, 3, and 4. Is that okay? Because I believe 2 and 5 will happen. Well, let's see 1, 3, and 4. Is there any questions you guys have? Is it clear? Like, who shepherds the shepherd? When you... So there, there are two, one of the things that you and I need to come to a place is that the shepherds have a great shepherd who shepherds us, okay, because one of the, one of, what is, what, what, when do we become shepherds? We become shepherds when we are actually met, if we are harassed and helpless, we cannot shepherd. So for us, Harassment and helplessness must be solved because we have found a home and we have also found mentors and shepherds. That's one. But we have a great shepherd too. Today, I have a Jacob that I can call in times of crisis. And I'm, there are times that, that, that I've cried to Jacob about issues and difficulties that you're going through. There are times that Jacob actually calls and says, it's too painful what, what's happening. So, for the shepherds of shepherds is quite a small number. But it doesn't happen quite often because you, by now, you are a shepherd who has learned to function under the great shepherd. And that comes to the first day that we spoke about Bouncing back, we need to learn the art of encouraging ourselves in the Lord. We need to really have touch from heavens and clear directions from heavens. So those are the things of a mature disciple of Christ. Who's a leader of God's household? He is a mature disciple of Christ who's able to lead himself well, is able to lead his family, is able to lead others in the community and those are the people that needs to be shepherds and that's that's a process that we all need to rise up but over a period of time because of so much of instructions teachings we have come to a place where we don't actually look for a shepherd but that we measure up and be shepherds yes there are times that we need one another and so we may not have people above us sometimes but we have peers amongst us and therefore I can actually go to a Sheldon and say Sheldon I trust you man just hold this on to you but, but this is what I'm going through and Sheldon can there can be a peer-to-peer -peer shepherding that can take place it need not be always about a top-down shepherding a peer-to-peer -peer shepherding that can take place is that helping process thank you anybody else any other questions Yes. 
how? How can we entrust ourselves to you? Yeah, I think it's 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 a good question to to process. One is trust that these guys would not really mess in their directions for your life. You need to come to a place where you trust God and trust be trust the leaders in that they would not direct you wrongly that they have the best interest for you and so movement it's entrusting happens because you trust because you trust you entrust and so it's a process of trust that you got to develop amongst the leaders so sometimes it takes a period of relationship and so if you never knew Derek and Iris then you need to actually ask Derek and Iris can can I take you out for dinner? Or can I actually go somewhere with you? And can I spend this time with you guys? So, sorry, Derek, I'm just introducing you into this whole process. May God give you enough grace. But, but that's, that's it is, entrusting yourself to your leaders is a, is a process of trusting your leaders. And because you develop that trust, you're able to entrust. If you're not able to trust, you cannot entrust. And so to a place where this morning I was having discussions with the larger apostolic team that on, on the Zoom. And, and one of them, I, I was telling that in the old paradigm, this, this, this paradigm of the modern missionary era from the 17th century is that missionaries will ask God, God, where should I go? And God will say, like Adoniram Judson or David Livingston or um, all these great missionaries and the missionary stories that they heard a place and they went to a place. But Timothy never asked Paul, okay, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, go to Ephesus. Timothy, go to Thessalonica. And Timothy is not sitting and telling Paul, Paul, wait a minute, I need to ask God whether he is sending me. No, he never asked. Because they believed they were part of the same team and they were interested together as the same team. And because the team actually wanted Timothy and found, and Paul found Timothy to be the best fit to handle the issues in Ephesus, that Paul could say to Timothy, Timothy, go there. And he's not sitting, scratching his head and thinking, God, are you really sending me to Ephesus? No, Paul is sending me to Ephesus. That's it, period. That's God sending me to Ephesus. Because we're all in the same field, working together for the same God. We are building the same church of Jesus Christ. And when you are entrusted, you're not actually sitting down. Yes, God may put a particular place as a passion in your heart. And because you're entrusted, you're telling, hey, this is the place that that's burdening in my heart. And Jacob may say, not now. Would you still trust? Hey, maybe a little later. But first, can you take care of Sari before you take care of Timbuktu? That's entrusting yourself. Is that helpful?
um, I, the other way around. I'm so, so sorry. No, I, I, and I'm I'm sorry. I'm not even able to fully comprehend what you're saying. Okay, thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Can a family member shepherd you? Actually, fathers are supposed to shepherd. Family members can shepherd. True. A mother can. Because the whole picture of shepherding that... So you need to understand that in the New Testament there are two imageries that are used. One, Peter uses so frequently and it's called the... Sh it's, it's the shepherding imagery. But Paul, on the other hand, very rarely uses the shepherding imagery. And he uses the imagery of the father, the mother. I was a father to you. You could have a thousand guardians, but you couldn't have a father like me. We were fathers amongst you. We were mothers amongst you. And therefore, this whole idea of shepherding is fathering, parenting. Parenting towards the whole of, hey, why are we parenting? That first, Firstly, we are parenting and shepherding so that Christ is fully formed in people's lives. And, and as Christ is formed in people's life, that we are able to actually know and hear the heartbeat of God and fulfill his heartbeat. These are the two simple things. That we have a dynamic relationship with Christ so that we would have and become like Christ. And we actually capture what's in his heart, which is nations, cities, towns, villages, people, his heartbeat. These two things are the core of our shepherding. And therefore, how do we help people become more and more like Christ? That's the whole discipleship process. And a disciple is a commissioned disciple. And therefore, we are about communities and multiplication of these communities worldwide. Is that helpful? You have an answer? Who's shepherding you? Just care. Yeah. It's just not care. Yeah. Shepherding is not just care. Shepherding is actually shaping an entire life to become yeah. Christ-like, to fulfill Christ's commission. Yeah. That's the goal of shepherding. shepherding may take on the idea of someone who cares, cares for you. It is inclusive of it. But it's, it's only a small part of it. So what, are we supposed to be focusing more on being the shepherd or being shepherded? It all depends on which stage you are in. There may be some in this seated here who needs shepherding. And... There are some people who have been here for a very long period of time who needs to rise up as shepherds. And so both would be part of a community. Yeah. And both needs to be simultaneously worked on. Yeah. So if, if somebody is working under someone else who is not a very effective shepherd, should they um, pursue that or 
They need to bring it to the notice of the um, the handsomest shepherd, Jacob's shepherd. Yeah, it needs to be brought if, in case you are not really shepherded well, then you it needs to be brought because Jacob is the one who appoints the shepherds. And therefore, it needs to be brought to the notice of Jacob to be discussed, thought through. And uh, maybe the one who feels I'm not shepherded well is actually expect, there may be an expectation mismatch. And that's the reason why they feel. Or they look up to, okay, because the challenge with apostolic kind of leaders are, they are charismatic kind of people. They, they have a charismata about them. And sometimes we expect in local shepherds what you see in Jacob. That's a big mismatch. Shepherding does not have to be too charismatic. Shepherding needs a set of skills that is more listening, guiding, helping. It does not have to be Always giving a series of prophecies need not. And therefore, there needs to be a slowly a shift in our understanding of who shepherds are. Maybe another time that we can sit and explain apostolic kind of leaders, charismatic apostolic kind of leaders, with that's a little different from local church elders and deacons, shepherds and deacons, yes. Is that helpful? Anybody else? Yes, Bishop. Is your name Bishop or <laughs> Jacob? Okay. James, Bishop T D. James. You're bringing me back to the point number one. Okay. How do we care for the world like how Christ? It, it's, it's, it's a heart that we are talking about. So what are we doing to the least of the brethren? What are we doing to the least of the brethren? Is my heart. Basic, simple, simple, simple understanding is. Jacob has taught this before. Me and my family. And we make sure that everything else actually is done for me and my family. I want God and his church for me and my family. I want to work for me and my family. I want the money for me and my family. I want possessions for me and my family. That's our state. This must shift and must be disciples to Christ and his family. If I have that as the center of my life and rally around family, my family, for Christ and his family, if I rally around work for Christ and his family, if I rally around money for Christ and his family, if I rally around possessions for Christ and his family, that shift actually brings about a whole different focus. And that means you are beginning to care about somebody else outside and not just about you. And 
sometimes we want heart change, but this is not what we want. Yeah. We want a heart that weeps, but not a life that lives like this. So, a heart that weeps, starting. Intercession, good, but it's not enough. A heart that breaks down for people and praise is good. But what good it is, we just actually break down, weep and pray and we have no action. So it really needs to translate into action. I, I, I'm, what I'm hearing that's happening with um, Derek and uh, Tuni and May and all are... You, you guys are going out and reaching out to our 70 to 80 guys who are meeting once in a... Wally. And Wally. And so we need to actually do more Wallys. And it needs to not only be amongst the needy and the drug addicts and the difficult people. It needs to happen amongst every spectrum of the society. Maybe that's what Derek wants to do. But you guys need to do whatever God has given you under your purview. But we need to reach out. So the concern for others is the concern of Christ. Which actually happens because you, you have left your me and my families. You are giving up on you and your family. When, when I'm saying you and your family, I have to be careful. Um, God has given us a family. And why has he given us a family? Not, not for me. God has given me a wife and God has given me a son to steward them for Christ and his family. I have, I don't own them. I steward them. For what? As toward them for Christ and his family. Christ and his family means Christ and his church. Christ and his family means Christ and his church. Third point. Shepherding. We've been talking a little bit about shepherding. And so, would you rise up and start doing something about? So, because we have concern and because we are evangelizing, for, for this group of people, there are shepherds. But who, who will actually shepherd those who are going to come? Because already a Derek and a May and a Betty and everyone is already taking care of people. So, when newcomers come to, to church... Who will shepherd? The guys here who are already being shepherded are the ones who need to raise up as shepherds. <coughs> because others are maxed out already. But we need to start thinking about being royal priesthood, being shepherds within God's house. Do you believe that you have been called? Everyone? If you have been saved, you have to be a disciple. If you are a disciple, you are a commissioned disciple. There is, there is no, there's, there's no other way. If you are a disciple, then the great commission is yours. Because a disciple is a follower of Christ and his teachings. And the greatest teaching is to go into all the world and make disciples. 
and to love the Lord. And so you've got to be discipling others and shepherding others. And therefore, that's third important thing. And the fourth, fourth thing is, hey, in a few more months, Europe is going to open up for Acts 29. And I, I hope and I pray that one of you, two of you, three of you actually take your bags and move from Vancouver into Europe. Who will that be? Not just going and coming. That's one, one thing is for going and coming. It's for a period of time. It's for some years that we shift everything to go. Maybe Amsterdam, maybe somewhere in, in some Eastern Europe. Aust last time, where did you go to Austria? Austria, Hungary. Okay, wherever Danube flows. Simple. If you really want to think, right? Wherever that Danube River flows. Think of those nations. Yeah. Wherever the Danube flows. Jacob, over to you. One of the things we'll have to change at Acts 29 is uh, the pride we take in being a strong church, being very well-taught disciples. That has to now go. Just like we are very, uh, not all that worried about what music sounds like or what, uh, there, there's this pride that we have in, oh, this church is a, see you, Ben. Bye, Shiva. Yeah. Sorry, you were trying to leave silently. I just wanted to spoil that. Yeah. So uh, there's this pride we take in. Oh, we are a strong church. We are. Uh, that quality will have to go. It'll have to be people that are discipled enough to disciple and not set the bar so high that everyone has to reach a mark before they can disciple. That'll have to be something that changes. Because the bar is... Uh, th there's an element of pride attached to it. That has to change. You got no pride when it comes to music, eh? Not because the musicians are bad, just because it doesn't matter. That's one thing that has to change. And the second thing has, that has to change is, like he said, an aversion to numbers that mega churches and mega pastors are really sucky. And uh, he's one of them. And that uh, it's not true. You have to ask forgiveness. Yeah, you have to repent. And most of it has come from me. I didn't want to meet him the first time someone brought him to me. So that's another thing that has to change. And then the third one is we're not really concerned. Uh, we, we, we really don't care as that much. We care maybe when we go to Wally. But if you took a Wally away, what would happen? So we don't care that much. So those are three things. 
that have to change. So let's just pray for that and see where we go with that. So Father, first, um, I repent for the um, route that I have introduced into this church of having a distaste or dislike for that which is uh, big or has too many numbers because I've always thought it was fake and not authentic. And uh, that's not what you are asking us to continue. So we repent of that. I repent of that because I introduced that route. And we repent of that as a church. Yeah. We take pride in being strong and small and effective, not like those other churches. And so that kind of talk has to stop and we repent of that. From me, it's spread to the rest of the congregation too, to the leaders. And so we change um, that. <coughs> you want to it word doesn't it? have to. It doesn't have to be in the same place, the, yeah. the same location. Yeah, can be multiple locations. Multiple locations. locations. Yeah. Numbers, because always when it becomes larger in becomes one location, to it handle. becomes too difficult. Yeah. Well, but we change that, Father. And we say yes to numerical increase. The New yes. Testament was always about numerical increase. Yes. <laughs> so that's one. The second thing, Father, we want to, uh, at least I want to change and the church wants to change this, um, that you don't have to be terribly strong and uh, learned to be able to shepherd, Father. We've set a standard that's a little too high. First time Peter preached 5,000 and those guys were ill-equipped, though they had spent two and a half years, or three and a half years with Jesus. So could you help us with that, Father, to begin to lose that very high standard that we've set, which becomes very difficult then for people to qualify. So we look towards maturity, but we lower the standard of that we have set, which is perhaps no longer applicable in our case. The priesthood of all believers isn't really fully real in this church yet. And thirdly, Father, um, um, we don't care enough. Our vine that gives us shade is important. We don't care enough. So we start with these three things, Father, and want to change. If you want to break in. Fourth thing, Father, was something that Chad was speaking about yesterday. He said that, are you willing during times of harvest to work night and day and not come up with excuses? Can you say that, yes, I've worked eight hours, but I will come? Or will you say, no, no, we had a long day, we don't want to drive anymore. Or we had a long day, or this has happened. Uh, Father, during times of harvest, farmers work tirelessly night and day. Father, there are a group of people in this church that work tirelessly night and day, but there's a large number that don't. I pray that that would change, Father. Father, 
Father, I'm not feeling condemned about this. I just want this to change. Nor am I condemning, but I just want us to change. This is so not like yesterday. Father, so I call forward right now, first, anyone who is a leader, anyone who leads a house church, and anyone who assists in a house church, just to come to the front and kneel and pray. Pray that this would happen with them. I ask that first. Let it come up right now. Pray for these four changes, that they would begin. And at some point as they're praying, that the rest of the church would crown the front, saying, we are the next wave, we are the next wave, we are the next wave. doesn't matter whether they came one month ago or whether they came 15 years ago. That these four things will now begin, Father. The entire church will turn up in the front here. Brandon, can you remove this? What are we praying? We are saying that, oh God, these four things we are going to change. One, that we welcome numbers. Might be over 20 different places, but we say yes to numbers. And if you have caught on to that root that I planted, then you repent of it, saying, no. Numerical growth was part of what the New Testament church engaged in. Two, that we will not set standards that make it difficult for people to end up in that place where they can begin to shepherd. That as the numbers come, we lower the standards. That sounds like such an odd thing to say, but we will so that more can be added to shepherd. Three, we don't care how we need hearts that care. What was the fourth one? Pardon? Yeah. Will, will I work tirelessly for harvest? Or will I come up with excuses like, I work too hard, uh, it's my only weekend, um, a baby didn't sleep eight hours, only slept seven hours. Um, will, will I come up with stuff like that? Don't want my house to be dirtied. Will this be our excuse? Father, this is what we repent of as leaders first, and then uh, the present leaders, and then, Father, the rest of the church is going to come up. If you've been here more than a month, then we will all come up, Father, because this is what you're calling us to. Till the pews will be empty, I'll be so symbolic that these pews need to be filled because there are enough shepherds up there. So that's what we start to do now, Father. Hallelujah. For me to do the next thing I want to do, this change is important to me, says God. 
so please change your saying. Change, Jacob, you change. So, Father, I'm going to put down the mic, but I, I'll begin to repent loudly enough, Father, so that we can join together in changing these things.
Father, could you by the power of your spirit every morning for the next six months of the year begin to remind us that you were born to witness. You were born to witness with your lives and with your words. It's not a thing that occupies our mind every morning, Father. Could you change us in this, Father? Change me, Abba. It's so easy to lose that focus. As I go now to Toronto, there will be a desire for people, a desire for people. You desire people. You desire people. Something that shifts in our heart and then shifts according to that diagram. Where everything is for one purpose, Christ and the church. Not the church, Acts 29. Christ and the church that will keep growing. Others that have to be added. So we surrender the pride in what we have become. We surrender the pride in what we have become. We lay down the exclusivity that we have cultivated. We shift our boast once again to Christ and his love for the world. Shift our boast from ourselves, from Acts 29, from uh, some of our fine qualities that you have brought. We shift our boast from Acts 29 to the Christ who laid down his life so that all might be saved and none may perish. We shift our boast, O God. I shift my boast from what we have become to Christ and what he wants to do through us and what he has made us. Then we come to this time of harvest and I say, Father, I can work harder. I can work harder. I can work harder. Across this room we say, we can work harder. We will not let our work, our possessions, the desire for money, security, stability, physical strength get in the way of what we need to do. No more, Father, these excuses. They're not valid excuses. So I repent of laziness. Laziness as in finding time for myself during the time of harvest. This church has strong laborers. I'm a strong laborer, but I cannot afford anymore find time for myself during times of harvest. There'll be other times, but not during harvest. Night and day, night and day they work to get it all in before the rain and the wind comes and ruins and rots it. This is that time.
Father, I'm going to hand things over to Derek to conclude because Chad and I have to leave. But before we leave, we just sent Tuni now for another harvest in India. He leaves on the 7th. He postponed things by a week. We are grateful that he did, Father. We are richer because he did. So with great joy in our hearts, glad that he and his wife will be coming back in a month or so. We send him. We say, Tuni, we send you. We send you as a laborer that uh, is faithful. We send you as a laborer in the name of Jesus Christ. We send you as a laborer from this body to India. We bless you as you go. Grant and may the immunity that God gives and the authority that God gives be yours and Anilis as you work there. Because the earth and its fullness thereof belongs to God and the nations are his inheritance. So we send you well, Tony. We send you well. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we are grateful for him. I'm sorry. We are grateful for Chad and what he has been able to do over the last uh, three days. I myself am a little surprised that he did it himself. Really, I mean that, Father. And uh, what a splendid job, Abba. So we as a church are grateful for using him to change the next couple of years of our life. That's what this man has done. So I'm grateful, Father. We are grateful. As he goes now to Toronto, we bless him. And he has to go to India, to Boston, then to India. Strengthen his body, Abba. Bless Sumi and Nathan at home. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we want to continue on because there is still more to be, more to be transacted about. There are exchanges that still need to happen. So we, wherever we are under this roof, our hearts and our minds right now are on you. Jesus, we Look at that cross where you died for us. You shed your blood for us. Today we can sit here like this because you have transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You've made us sons and heirs to the kingdom.
So, Father, we find our rightful place in you. Yesterday we heard that Perez, or two days ago, it was bouncing back. Then we heard breaking in or breaking out. We find our rightful place in you, Abba. For each person sitting here, we find our rightful place in you. And that rightful place, first of all, begins with us recognizing ourselves as sons and daughters. That's the fundamental place we find ourselves in, Abba. So, Father, we look at our hands. Some of us, physically, we look at our hands and we see the ring that's put on our hands. Because we are sons and daughters on whom you've said, you're my son, you're my daughter. Here is my ring of acceptance. Here's my ring of acceptance. You are, to me, like Jesus. We wear the ring of acceptance on our fingers. So, Father, that is the place from where we go forward. And then now about the second thing you want to do is we want to align our expectations with your plans and purposes. Because our expectations of you are so small. It's so mid-sized. But we do not serve a mid-sized God. We serve you, Father. And so we right now, we align our hearts, our plans, with your plans. We lay our ambitions and our agendas down. We don't want to carry them forward. But even as I speak right now, if we respond to this, I know that what we, what we lay down at your feet you will take them away and you're going to replace those things with your purposes and your plans in our hearts and our minds. So, Father, I come to you and I say, there are nations on my mind that I thought I have to go to. There are places I thought I have to go to. There are things that I thought I have to do in my life to be successful or to be defined as, yeah, he did well. We, we laid those things down. We laid those, those things down. We want your plans, Abba. We want your dreams. We want your plans and your dreams. So we, we lay, we, 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 we remove limitations. We remove limitations then in our expectations. Our expectations are not mid-sized anymore. Our expectations are true God-sized. So it really means then that because we are sons and daughters, we now begin to think of our lives very differently than how we have thought about it. Our expectations are not small because we serve you the God of this universe. You created everything. <laughs> you own the nations. You rule over them. So how can our plans and our, our desires in you be so limited? It cannot be. It cannot be. So we remove those limitations above from our minds. We remove it. Father, one of the things you're reminding us is, and we've been hearing about it over and over again, you are a supernatural God. And everything supernatural is from your spirit. And so we recognize that we carry your spirit. We carry your spirit. It doesn't matter when we got saved or born again. It doesn't matter where it happened. It doesn't matter how much we know. <laughs> we have your spirit inside us. Because your spirit helps us when we are weak. Your spirit gives us strength when we are weak. When we are poor, you aid us. You help us. 
So we are carriers of your presence. We are carriers of your presence. We have your Holy Spirit inside of us. About these are simple truths, but sometimes we have so complicated everything that we cannot function because there are, there is too many things on our mind. When your gospel is so simple, when your good news is so easy for anyone to understand and for us to live out. So we take complexities away. We don't want complex things. We want your simple truth that sheds light in our inward most parts so that we can be torch bearers, so that we can be light bearers, so that where we walk about, there is such truth in us that darkness cannot stand. That is what you're asking of us, Father. So as a church then, from wherever we are sitting down, as you prompt us, we're going to speak out loud Abba, in response to what, we, what has happened over the last little while. So we take a few minutes to respond to you, all to this end of breaking in, breaking into your purposes, breaking into your desires for us. So we respond collectively. So speak out loud, church, starting from the first person. You've set us free so that we can work with you, oh God. The things that you're calling us to aren't because of our own, anything to do with us, not our own glory, not our own strength, not our own abilities, God. You've set us free so that we can freely walk alongside you, that we are yoked with you in the work that you're doing. Father, it's, we want to give ourselves to this. We want to fully, 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 fully give ourselves to this. To this, your work. The fact that you're building your church in this world. This is your world and you are building your kingdom in it. God, we want to give ourselves to this. This is the only cause worth giving ourselves to. There is no other cause that is greater than this. There is no other cause. Not our jobs. Not our houses, not where we live, not how we spend our time. This is the only cause that's worthy of our full and undivided self. So, Father, we want to give ourselves fully to this. And we can only do that because you actually made it possible to do that. So we're saying it with gratitude that we give ourselves fully to this. And thank you, Jesus, that you've made that possible for us. Father, the very, the very breath I breathe is from you, so how could I even imagine using it for anything else? How could I even, how could I even fathom using this breath for any of my own pursuits, Lord? Father, I will go, so send me. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have revealed to this church, Lord, the spirit, spiritual pride that has to go, Father. I pray, Lord, that the leadership in this church, Lord, will be built up by the word of the Lord and be strengthened, Lord. Father, all the youth and all the young men and women, Lord, will stand up like lampstands of worship, Father, and they will come to you, Lord, and stand before you, Lord, and, and serve you, Father, as a band of shepherds, Lord, that will not be broken, a band and army of shepherds that will not be broken, Father. I pray pray, Lord, that we will all together be united, Father, and, and join together in one body, in one spirit, Lord, moving forward to the next season that you have called us into, Lord, to no longer stay in the stagnant um, 
to no longer stay in stagnancy, Father, but to move forward, Father, in authentic worship, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you will fill our hearts, God. You will fill our hearts, Lord, with Christ's concern, Christ's burden, Father, for this church and also for the um, for for the new people that are coming, about to come to receive um, receive you, Lord, in your fullness, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will ready us, God. You will prepare us, Lord, before the next generation is about to come, Lord, that you will birth out of us, Father, a, a new spirit, a new heart, a new burden for you, God, that will fully um, establish what you have called us to do, Lord, and, and and not just do, Lord, but to become, Father, to become the fullness of Christ, Lord. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that um, all the young men and women here, Lord, will be united, God. There will be um, no, no conflicts that will tear each other apart, Lord. Uh, pray, Lord, against any form of division in, in the uh, young, men, in young men and women, Father, because we are, um, we are just starting to grow um, um, together as one body, Lord. We are all new here, Father, and I pray, Lord, that you will allow us to soften our hearts, Lord, to have a soft, to have a soft heart, Lord, um, fertile soil, Lord, to receive the grace of Christ, Lord, to be extended to one another, Lord, to love one another, God, and not to be filled with hate, not to be filled with bitterness, not to be filled with um, um, deception, Father, of each other, Lord, but to be filled with uh, what, what you want us to perceive of each other, Lord. What, what, give us the sight to see how Christ sees each other, Father, so that we may be filled with love, Lord, instead of um, whatever the devil tries to fill us with, Lord, so that we may stand strong as one church, God, um, fully united, Lord. I really pray for unity in this church, God, and I pray against any form of disunity, Father. Lord, just grant this, Father. I know you will grant this, Lord. Thank you, Father. Abba, I will go where you go. We as a church will go where you want us to go, Father. And, yeah, Father, amen. Yes, Abba. Yeah. yeah. So that makes it four more, no. Father, I just want to thank you that you're calling us to do something that you will put in our hearts and you will give us the desire for. I thank you that, that we who are shepherds will be shepherding shepherds and that as long as we are yoked to you, we will not go astray. And as long as the ones under us are yoked to you, they will not go astray. There's nothing that you're asking us to do as, as mavericks or, or as lone wolves. You're asking us to be tied directly with you. And that is our security, that is our hope, and that is our desire. So thank you, Father, that this is, this is, um, this is your heart for us. And, and thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made the way and you've modeled it so beautifully. We just have to become more like you and trust you. And yeah, I look forward to this, Abba. Father, thank you for the deposits already done. Um, just like you said uh, Christ was slain at the beginning of the world, uh, this work has already been completed. Father, thank you that it is, um, it is in you, and you are in us. And um, I thought, Father, I, you are being an artist tonight. I, I feel like you, um, you're, you're making a beautiful work of art in us. 
and we are your temple, and we are beautiful to you, and it's a we. And I want to thank you that every time we say it's, um, um, yeah, um, I thank you that this is not a, um, you're not expecting uh, no mistakes from us. You're actually, you want us to make mistakes because it's the normal way of learning. And we want to make mistakes in trust of you and your goodness to us. And so um, we love and embrace uh, messiness in each other and you. And um, thank you for, uh, yeah, I just pray, pray for um, that we have a home that we have a shepherd, that we, uh, we have been helped, and that we have you as our help for everything that we have not yet uh, been helped in. And so we are ready. We look up and look out, and um, you'll keep us all together, and you'll do marvelous things in us. So it's 9. We'll wrap up by 9.15. I want to I say a few things. One of the things that I've learned over the last little while is when Jesus said that the harvest is plenty and laborers are few, he really meant it. It was true then. It is true now. It's even more true now. The harvest is plenty, guys. It's plenty. Laborers are few. For the world that's outside, there are many, many waiting for our obedience. And they aren't looking for perfection. But sometimes we want perfection in ourselves before we attempt to do anything for God. And today, if you can lay down perfection, that'll be a very good start. We are not trying to be perfect because He is already perfect. And in our weakness, we find His strength. And that's very important. Because otherwise, we look at ourselves and we try to gauge how much we can do by looking at where we are at and what's happened and what we've got. And that's never good enough. But if we can look at His perfection, if we can look at Him and say, I want all of you, then the equation changes. So remember, wherever you are, the schools you go to, the universities you go to, the workplaces you go to, Superstores you go to, Walmarts you go to, it doesn't matter. The harvest is plenty. We think it's too complex. When Jesus said, all that, all that I want you to do is take this gospel, and this gospel is the power unto salvation. We don't need to add anything else to it. So one of the things we really need to do is make things simple. Not make things complex. Make things simple. So can we say no to perfection? Because it's that one thing that stops us from going ahead in God. Because we are waiting for the day when we are perfect. And it won't happen until Christ comes. So we can't be waiting for that. So then, in our weakness we go. Because Jesus said that he will work with us day and night. And so if we are ready to work... He will work with us. He's not saying you go and we'll figure out what happens later. No. He says, I'll come with you. 
So wherever we go, he is with us. And he will bring to pass everything we speak. And I want us to, over, this, over the next little while, really lay ourselves down so that the Spirit of God can rule over us. That our flesh and our mind is yielded to him. That what we thought as familiar will say, nah, we don't want that familiarity. We want new things in him. I like what Chad said a few days ago. We've got to expect f- for more, man. We, we've gotten very familiar with what we know. We've got to break out into this new thing. We've got to expect healings to happen without anyone saying anything or speaking anything. And can we do that as we begin to meet on Sundays or in house churches, as more people gather, that those leading and those in the sitting down, doesn't matter who you are, but you begin to expect that because the presence of God is there, that healings will break out. The thing is, we don't expect that. We need to expect that because our expectations have become too small. So let's expect big. Not afraid of numbers. Not aiming for perfection. And then the last thing I want to say before Jane comes up to, to sing and lead us in his song is the seed which is in the sack will not bear anything. You've got to take your hands, take the seed from the sack and sow it. The seed, as long as it's in the sack, it's useless. Our lives, as long as we are in this building, is pretty useless. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've got to go. And not all of us need to do the same things. And one of the things that we said maybe three, four weeks ago is that from this church, there was a prophetic word spoken over us long before we, most of us came here. That from this group will go out a company of people. Companies of people. So that's not one or two people going. That's a group of people going who, who love each other and who are united in purpose. And they go out. They have one mission. The mission of Jesus. And when, it's, when we read in Hebrews chapter 11 that they routed foreign armies. With God we can rout foreign armies. Everything that is said in Hebrews chapter 11 was done by people who are normal like you and I. So we don't look for perfection anymore. And we look to everything that he has for us. So as you sing this song, I pray that you will talk to him. That you will commune with his spirit. And you will lay things down and you'll pick things up that he is giving you. It's so important. We're going to sing the song, These Are the Days of Elijah. Because yes, these are indeed the days of Elijah. These are indeed the times when you look at the the valley that's filled with dry bones and it will come alive. So prophesy, church. Prophesy. Prophesy to things that you're looking at. Prophesy to the schools that you go to. Prophesy to your workplace, to your colleagues. Prophesy. Because that will change things. So when we sing this, please sing this, not in the way you've sang this song before, But right now when you sing it, lay everything down and say, I want to receive everything you have for me and I want to walk this walk with you. Because all of your fullness is in me. And so I am able. I am equipped. I'm not perfect, but I am equipped. So let's sing sing this and we'll close after that.